Elena, take it away. Welcome to Legal and Fun. Here are your hosts, Jason and Ira. Thanks to Soccer Playing Elena. We're presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. I guess I don't count anymore, Jason. Listen, you missed the Ira take it away last week, and I'll never forgive you for that. You've been replaced. You tried to replace me with Weston and Elliot and all these people. Guess what, Ross? You'll never be me. Ira, you will never be Elena. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm Ira Jersey. That voice you heard at the beginning was my daughter, and that was Jason. So, Jason, you just passed your third decade of life. Or <sighs> Congratulations. Yeah. Happy birthday, man. Yeah, I'm officially in the the 30 club i don't know how i feel about it yet so well, if you move back to philly i think my over 40 team is looking for a goalkeeper and goalkeeper is allowed to be 10 years younger so oh perfect perfect yeah <laughs> let's let's do that let's just torture my knees worse than they already are love it fair enough well we have a lot of usl news going on this week jason First, the roster freeze date is Friday, September 6th. By the time some of you guys hear this, it might already be upon us. Mattering of signings here and there. You know, one signing actually came from my my son's high school soccer coach, is currently the former coach of this guy at Rutgers. But Greenville signed keeper David, uh, I guess it's Grezchek? Yeah. There you yeah, go. That sounds yeah. about right. And uh, he had been playing for uh, FC Motown, which, if you don't know, FC Motown in the Northeast is quite a uh, quite a powerhouse up here in the NPSL. And and you know they often this year in the U.S. Open Cup they they beat the Red Bulls uh, under 23s, and you know they're, they're a pretty good side. I, I, you know, is it obviously a depth signing, Jason? You think? So it, it's it's funny. I don't quite know. And yeah, they they actually are a powerhouse. I know they've been. You know, they were first place in uh, the Super Division for GSSL in 2017, and then in 2018, they were first in the Keystone Conference and actually made the national finals of the MPSL playoffs. So, and they lost to Miami FC, too, who at the time pretty much had all of Miami FC first team players on there, including like Dilly Duca and all these former MLS yep. players. So, no, they are a great team. But yeah, I, I'm curious if this is a depth signing or maybe because Dallas J is going on national duty and maybe they don't know how often you know this is a signing to where just in case maybe it's to have a, a goalkeeper competition to see maybe you know put some pressure on the other keeper and uh yeah we'll see i'll, I'll be curious to see who harks rolls out for the yeah. next game yeah i think this might only be the third goalkeeper on their roster so so one of the things is obviously you need depth and with dallas J being gone for at least one game on national team duty for guam then you know you you need someone on the bench just in case right. your keeper gets injured right you don't want to have to put a field player in net and uh obviously you know rutgers a decent program and uh you know fc motown like you said it has just been a powerhouse the last couple of years you know, so, some other cool things going on around USL on September 14th. Elliot from uh, River City 93 helped the Richmond Kickers put together an African Heritage Night. That's going to be September the 14th at their home game. Um, it seems like a really cool event. You can you can actually give money to some of the charities that they're raising money for during this event. Even if you don't uh, aren't able to go to the game, please do that. Check out the River City 93 Twitter feed. You'll be able to find out about that. The gates open at 4:30. Seems pretty early. It's two and a half hours before yeah. kickoff that's, you know, that's so, how it should be get a nice yeah. little tailgate going nice little party you know meet some new people that love the things that you love 
Yeah, so DM RiverCity93 on Twitter for more details. So his uh, DMs are open. Forward Madison uh, had a midfielder signed up to the Tanzanian national team here, Jason. You know, that's uh, is that three or four now that we have going on national team duty? At uh, least that, three. That's four. That's four for that's sure, four. I think. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of players going. I think is Ali is he's a, a Minnesota FC loanee actually down right, yeah. playing against Burundi at, in a home and home qualifying for the World Cup. So that's that's really exciting. So hopefully he gets some playing time. We'll have to keep tabs on that over the next week during the FIFA window. Good to see him actually. You know, get to play and you know, regardless of how consistent he's playing, still getting that uh, national team call up. Yeah. Has he gotten any playing time for forward? I don't recall seeing him. Maybe as- I think he's played maybe a game or two. Um, I think what Ford is doing with that midfield and they rather bring Don Smart back. I think with, um, with Naganzi, he's more of a box to box. And for the way that Ford is playing, if Eric Leonard is stopping everything in the middle to, you know, kind of spring a counter and have Don Smart come back, collect the ball or come have uh, Josie L come back and collect the ball. I think he just right now is in, in the system that was working best for forward. So I think he's played a couple games, but not consistently. Right. Uh, moving on, Lansing Ignite has a different uh has a different opponent for their friendly on September 28th. Uh, I'm not sure what happened, but apparently uh, the NPSL's Grand Rapids FC couldn't play for whatever reason. So uh, Lansing will now be playing on September 28th against Michigan Premier Soccer League's Livonia City FC. I'm, I don't know anything about them. Maybe the guys at Capital Combustion do. Um, but apparently they won their conference, so that maybe they're not a bad side. And remember, this is a tune-up game because Lansing doesn't have a lot of competitive games really from now to the end of the season, right? Right, Jason? Yeah, yep. I think that's it's perfect timing for them because yeah, they they have all these games that they've already played compared to the rest of the league, and you they're you know probably the hottest team in the league right now. So for them to get that much downtime, that's not good, right? When you're streaking, you want to consistently play. So yeah, that couldn't be any more perfect timing for them. Yeah, so uh, apparently if you have tickets, you're uh, or ready for that match, you, they will be honored for this new match. So they're not going to give refunds or anything because the friendly will still be played. Going back to Madison, Madison has <laughs> other stuff going on. Apparently, Hacksha Jim Dugan, professional Listen, wrestler, Listen. is going to be coming this weekend. Apparently, everyone going into Forward Madison is going to be able to have a two-by-four signed by him or something. No. I, I, I don't know if I like that idea. <laughs> but I, I'm not exactly sure how, at how least, this is going to At least it's not Koifik and Lansing. You know, like that, that might be an issue. But... I, I gotta say, for for all the things that Madison are doing, I can't even hate on them because they're choosing the perfect people. Like I'm like, okay, Stanley from the office, I can't hate on that. Oh, really, Hacksaw Jim, I can't hate on that. They got a cow, you know, named after uh, Lionel and Messi. Like I can't hate on this. Like yeah. I wish, I wish there was, but they have not slipped up from their game day experience. And so, giving out lunchables on '90s night, it's just it's all of it's ridiculous, but it's also ridiculously good. So, so I have a question. So is, you know, a lot of like minor league baseball and occasionally like minor league hockey, they'll do things similar to this. Yes. And and sometimes it's so much that it's almost too much. Is forward at risk of doing that same kind of thing and making it seem like, you know, this is minor leagues or I, are they not going to do it? I don't think so because it's the first year, right? This is all about generating, you know, interest, generating new fans. And so 
if this becomes a consistent thing throughout their entirety, then yes. But I think because it's the first year and, you know, Peter and everyone in Cuba and everybody out there, they're, they're smart and they think they know exactly what they're doing to generate that interest. Um, so I think right now it's fine. And like I said, it could be a little bit cheesy. It could get a little repetitive, but they don't miss on the people they're choosing. They're killing it. So I can't say anything. Yeah, as long as they don't overdo it, I think that they'll probably be okay. And just as another tease, uh, the next podcast in your feed will be some interviews with some forward Madison, uh, some forward Madison players and also coach uh, Shore. So uh, shall we get into some results, Jason? Let's do it. Okay, let's let's be quick about this first one. Not too quick, but FC Tucson beat Chattanooga Red Wolves one nil. Uh, both uh, they, basically, I think you saw here how Chattanooga not having, in, in particular, Zagoro, really hampered their attack in in this game. Uh, so lone goal was scored on a PK by Jordan Jones in the 16th minute. Um, you know, I have a lot, a little bit to say about this, but Jason, why don't you start? You know, what did you think about uh, about you know Chattanooga not being able to get the one that they needed against Tucson on the road? Yeah, so I just to talk about the goal. Um, you know, it was tough because Jordan Jones, you know, he takes it to the edge and crosses it in with power. It deflects off a Chattanooga player, and then you can see Mel go for the ball and just miss. Right, he just completely oh, missed. Yeah, totally and, missed. Yeah, and runs into Delgado, and, and this uh, was his first match for them too, right? Yeah, it's not not a good look, but uh, <laughs> but you know, so I feel bad, but you know, you know, penalty is a penalty, and Jones, listen, Tucson's undefeated in four consecutive games. Jordan Jones has scored in all four of those consecutive games, so you know, correlation. I think if Tucson has players that can consistently score, they're a dangerous team, and you know, Chattanooga came out quick passing and good possession and actually looked like the more aggressive and team that was going to score. And, you know, and, you know, I think that PK kind of changed the way, you know, the game was being played. I think like Chattanooga is not at their best when they have to chase a score. I think they're at their best when they score first and then can go ahead and go, okay, let's make this a defensive game and win this one, one Oh, or maybe spring a counter and win two Oh. And yeah, I think it got to them, especially in the second half, right? Cause Tucson could have probably won this game, 3040. They had a bunch of shots go off the post. They had yeah, a they hit of- they hit the bar in the 39th. That was probably their second best chance of the game outside of the PK for sure. Yeah, so sure. What, one thing I want to mention about the goal is is so the the play actually started. So there were two things that I saw that Tucson I think was trying to do in this game. One was they were trying to get the ball over Ualfi. Right, so they definitely were trying to play more direct balls, more uh, more long balls into the corners. That ball that Jones took down and then took the end line before he crossed, it was hit by Devin Jamga, and it was beautiful. Devin was on the run; he beat one player, and then he saw Jordan Wait, Jones making Devin that. Jam- Devin Jamga beating players. Oh no. yeah, who would have thought? No. Oh, yeah, exactly. The fastest guy in the league. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's funny. The guys at Capital Combustion were talking about having, you know, not having an All Star game, but I think it would be fun to have a skills challenge kind of thing. And I just yes. want to see who could, like, you know, take the ball and the dribble and shoot faster. Like, like some some kind of like FIFA style skills challenges would be really fun. Goalie and I think, wars. That's what yeah, I mean. Goalie wars. Yeah. <laughs> bring, like bring goalie wars in yeah. league one. Bring but, it. But, <laughs> but really, you know, the, I think the credit for for the foul ultimately goes to Devin Jamga because he got the ball to Jordan Jones, who who did a very good job taking down taking down the ball and making that run, but really it was Devin who who kind of sprung uh, sprung that. And uh, you know, basically, Uwalfe has kind of been this number eight and certainly the pivot for Chattanooga when they're trying to spring those counterattacks, and he just never had the ball. 
you know, like, <laughs> like this is one game where they, he was almost totally bypassed. And, um, you know, he, he got forward a few times and they had some kind of dangerous chances, except, you know, Chattanooga had zero shots on goal in this game. So obviously, you know, if you don't make the keeper work, you're not going to score any goals. And now there are five shots that they had four were from outside of the box. So it wasn't like, you know, they had, they didn't have any shots on goal because they weren't really any good shots. I will say though, Hurst really impressed me. Um, out of all their shots, Hurst had a really good one. You, you know, he took it from outside the box, obviously, but still, it was, it was probably the best. He um, looked at. He had some nice services. I think he had three key passes. You know, he he was shooting the ball well. He's very involved. I want to say he's probably Chattanooga's most involved player. So I was impressed by him coming on, and that is someone to look at for the next couple of games. Very good. Why don't we move on to a game that I'm sure we'll spend a little more time on. But before we do, I just need to I need to say this crazy stat that kind of summarizes this game, and I need someone to double-check me because I don't believe what I'm seeing. So Chattanooga had 404 passes. How many do you think went into the opponent's box? I'm going to say two. Four. So Not many. That's... I don't know how you're supposed to score when, and you know, in props though, we were Amanu and how, because they were in the midfield destructing everything. And that was just their position, right? They stayed right at that mid mark and said, look, anyone that comes around me, they have five interceptions, six tackles. They were not making it easy for Chattanooga to move that ball fluidly to build up those attacks. And like out of the Chattanooga key passes, a lot of them, the only one that even came close to the box was BD who crossed it from maybe 35 yards out. But Regardless, you can't have 404 passes and only four of them are in your opponent's box. It's just not going to work. Yeah, uh, you, yeah, uh, and I think that that has to do with both the style and also the good games that uh, that Tucson had on the night. And they're going to have to do this a few more times in order to make the playoffs. So they're yeah. they're pretty close. We'll talk about that a little bit when we get to the standings. Uh, so the last game of August. South Georgia Tormenta one, Richmond Kickers four. I heard Elliot Barr's head hit the ceiling. <laughs> he jumped so high. Uh, so you didn't have, obviously you don't have Lucas Coutinho because of his injury, which really hurt South Georgia quite a lot in possession. But also Charlie Dennis and Connor Antley both did not start this game. They both came in at halftime. You could really tell after the first 10 or 15 minutes that that Tormenta was missing something, not having those two on the field. Is that time um, management? I'm guessing it is. But, you know, they, they did have a game on Tuesday. So Tormenta had a game on Tuesday, and then this game was on Saturday night. So maybe it was a little bit. Maybe they were you know planning on bringing them in in the 60th minute or 55th minute, something like that. But obviously being down 3-1 at halftime, they thought, hey, we need an attacking spark. And, you know, these two guys are, you know, a lot of our attack right now. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Richmond still didn't look great defending set pieces. In fact, Tormenta could have easily had a goal in the first, like, Three or four <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it wasn't for Akira Fitzgerald's left foot, um, yep. the the uh, Tormenta would have had a goal in the in the third minute. Uh, but then Mike Mikey Rowe, there's a free kick about 30 yards out, and you noted that there were a couple of potential goals of the season, maybe three, arguably, yeah. certainly, certainly. Well, two made the cut for for goal of the week, although I think three could have. And this first one's one of them. Do you want to talk us through how Mickey Rowe took this free kick? 
I, first and foremost, if any Richmond Kickers fan wants to send me a scarf to throw into my mouth to shut me up, I will do it, and I deserve it. Because when this goal happened, I automatically went, this is goal of the week. I don't want to hear anyone else's argument. This is it. This might be goal of the season. And immediately after, Richmond was like, oh, okay, we're going to give you two others to consider. Um, but, you know, this free kick, absolutely beautiful from Mikey. Just lines it up probably, what, 30 yards out, 32 yards out and just bends it into the top left corner, and it's just absolutely incredible. Yeah, it hits the, hits the bottom of the crossbar about a foot inside the post. Um, Akira Fitzgerald went the right way and was close. Had it been maybe you know three or four inches lower, he might have been able to get a fingertip on it, but I mean, yeah. it was an unstoppable. Let's, let's be real. Yeah. I don't think any goal in this game was actually that savable. I think every goal in this game was so spectacular. The keepers really didn't have any chance of even getting a hand on it. Yeah, I think actually one of Chin's goals... Uh, I, I think one of Chin's goals, Hara, did get a, a hand to it. So okay. that was the only potential one. But yeah, the other the other three Richmond goals, there was no way. And Mickey Rose, there's no no yeah. way at all. Yeah. Um, so then in the 11th minute, Dennis Chin uh, gets a goal. It was a, a good finish. But again, this was uh, the other way, though. This was actually after a set piece. There was a corner that was taken. The ball was kind of half cleared out. And uh, the ball gets put back into the box. And... Ivan um, Maglahays gets the ball and and you know did you see which way he was facing by the way do you remember which way he was facing no so he's actually facing away from goal takes the ball in his left foot flicks the ball about two feet right to Dennis Chin who then finishes just really really hard shot right in the middle there was a there was a shout for for handball right before that by Richmond on uh, um, I don't remember which center back maybe Phelps. Yeah, but I don't know. But, it, I don't know if it was a handball. It was hard to see, yeah. at least from the camera angles. Um, and then there was an offside shout. Everyone thought that maybe Chin was offside. He was definitely not offside. Um, so you know, great vision from Ivan to to see Chin there. Uh, yeah. So one one one, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Richmond are back in the game. Why don't you talk us through the uh, talk us through the fifty? Yeah. The, Goal that happened four minutes later, Joe Gallardo. So uh, Joe Gallardo, a uh, personal and close friend of the podcast, obviously, uh, heard what I said about not being able to take teams on. Um, and this is just part one of part two of ways that he decided that he was going to shut me up with the quickness and uh, gets the ball. And he's actually the one that causes the interception, right? He, pushed, he, he pressures in the midfield, and eventually the ball is pressured enough to where it, it tips off of a defender and it gets to him. So he starts running. He has two defenders on the side of him, and he thinks to himself, oh, the goalkeeper's up. Let me go ahead and chip this one from 30 yards, 35 yards out, and just see what happens. And it's just a beautiful shot. And I don't – yeah, I mean, he had, a, he had an amazing cartwheel flip afterwards, and he wholeheartedly deserved it. And he can come into my house and flip in front of my face because I deserve it because that, that was a goal. That was yeah. an absolute goal. I mean, Hara was in really – it was in decent position, actually. Had it been like a foot lower or a foot higher, that ball is not a goal. That's either saved by Hara or goes or goes out over the uh, over the bar. Yeah. Um, hits side netting from like 35 yards out. It was, it was a great shot. So Richmond up 2-1. I, I think at this point, you know, South Georgia – Still looked okay, and they had a, a couple of dangerous chances. But in the 36th minute, uh, there was the Richmond kickers scored their third of the night. Uh, this was Dennis Chin for the brace. Uh, Bulduck hit a very nicely weighted through ball. I mean, it was actually like a four packing stat through ball. So it beat four uh, tormented defenders. Dennis Chin's on the run. 
and he lets the ball roll by him and runs with the ball. He's able to accelerate fast enough to keep up with the ball that's not slowing down very much. He's able to then take a one-time left-footed shot, goes past Hara. This was the one that Hara did get a hand on. So this mm-hmm. is the one that, you know, had Hara gotten a little bit luckier with his hand position getting to the ball, maybe it could have went out for a corner. Um, but it just he could not get a strong enough hand to it. And, uh, you know, Dennis Chin makes it three. And let's talk about Boldix since you brought him up. Um, and props to River City 93 because they pretty much said the same thing I did when I was taking my notes. And they were spot on. This team is different when Bolduck is playing. And he's been injured on and off this season. And I think because of his defensive ability and his also his offensive ability to move forward and create those chances, it allows for Joe and Dennis to move more and allows that space to open up so that they can let these balls through and they can set up these plays. And he has been someone, you know, when you look at the stats, you know, Richmond possessed very well in the middle. And that was important. And he was a big part of that. And so out of his 15 duels, he won 12 of them. Um, so it, it makes me wonder what kind of team this would be if Boldick was, you know, healthy all season and got to play consistently. Well, I think they, I think Richmond also tried to figure some, some things out. So in, in this game, they were playing, you know, it's funny. It, it looked like there were, th- there were three center backs, right? Cause you had Akway, Ivan and Chanovsky back in, in the back. Right. And then you had on playing on the left, you had Hughes, Right. As kind of a left back, which, you know, Hughes, I always think of more of a winger midfielder. So in a way, it was, you know, really three in the back with wing back ish kind of kind of guys. But basically, you had Troyer then as your six, Boldeck as your eight, like you were saying, like he was the box to box guy in this game. And his passing and his vision, uh, you know, just as evidenced by this particular goal is, you know, very, very evident. And I think that that's really where where they are. And then you have Joe Gallardo kind of as your, your 10 uh, with chin up there. So so I agree. I think Matt Bolduc kind of as that kind of facilitator in the middle, getting the ball to Gallardo, getting the ball to chin, getting the ball out wide and out of dangerous chances. I, I think all of that has been uh, has been right. And I think that's a great observation. Yeah. But I'm going to call it now. Goal of the year. All right. Mm. In the 80th minute. Joe Gallardo scores. Okay, so all I'm going to preface is I'm going to let you talk us through the goal. Oh, I'm not allowed to talk about it. Joe Joe's completely silenced me for the rest of my life. I'm not allowed to talk about this goal. So, so, so first, let me say that the assist went to Boehm. Really? <laughs> he didn't do anything. <laughs> he, like, passed the ball about a yard and a half to Joe Gallardo. That's like, you know, you have a group project and nobody does, like, they had that one person who didn't do anything and they <laughs> – he gets the final slides and puts his name on it. Just I like, mean, you know, I was glad I could help. I guess he gets credit for, you know, he brought know giving the, the ball to Joey. The thumb, he brought the thumb drive to class so that yeah. they could credit for the PowerPoint. That's pretty much what he did. Exactly. So Joey G dribbles around five players. And then to top it off, when he gets to the sixth, who is St. Ville, who we know is a good defender, right? In this league, he's one of the better defenders. And Joe Gallardo just takes it, takes the ball with the outside of his left foot and nutmegs St. Ville, runs around him. It's an, You know, a lot of times you see players nutmeg another player and then they're not able to catch up to the ball because they hit the ball too hard through the person's legs. But this is a perfectly weighted nutmeg that Joe just, you know, turns around and is, is able to get around St. Ville and just uh, just shoots. It was top bins. It was top netting, right? And there was nothing hard I could do. It was just hit so hard and so accurately that it was impossible. I'm, I'm sorry, Joe. Okay? Is I that mean, what you wanted from me? I'm sorry. I will never doubt I mean, your ability if, to... I said you, you have, can't... 
take a whole team on, and you literally just went ahead and took a whole team on. <laughs> he beat six players plus Hara, so that's seven players. Oh I mean, God. just an amazing, an amazing feat. Now, it, you know, did it matter? Not really. It wasn't the winning goal or anything, but it has to be one of the. If it's not in contention for goal of the year, then something is wrong with with whoever's putting together those. Um, a couple of other things, though. I mean, Tormented did have their chances. In fact, Akira Fitzgerald had five saves in this match, yep. right? So this this easily could have been a you know a four three match or or even three three because maybe things would have been different if if Tormenta could have gotten one or two more, um, and certainly if they had gotten you know two in the first five minutes, it certainly would have been different. But uh, you know, so so Tormenta was okay. You know, stats wise, it was fifty fifty possession. So this is again Richmond getting away from having sixty two percent possession, but not doing anything with it. Right now they have possession and they're actually moving the ball into dangerous positions. Uh, they still, you know, both teams had over five hundred passes. They both had twelve shots. Both had six shots on target. You know, both had twelve clearances, eight tackles for uh, for, for South Georgia, fifteen tackles for uh, for Richmond. So that's like the only stat basically that Richmond won. You know, yeah. it's it's really a um, it, it was a closer game maybe than the scoreline shows. But you know, good on good on Akira Fitzgerald and and good on the rest of rest of Richmond for doing their job. Yeah. Anything else on this game, Jason? No, I probably shouldn't be able to talk about this game anymore, so we could just move on. I'm sorry, Joe. I really am. (laughs) All right. So on Sunday, so it was nice the way that the games were spaced out because I was able to watch – uh, I was able to watch two and a half games live, and then half of the, half of this last game on Sunday, I had to watch. Um, I, I had to watch when I got home after a uh, party. But there was uh, no Pepe uh, for North Texas in this in, in this one. Endo started for TFC two, but uh, uh, but Schaffelberg was still, I guess, with the first team. Um, I have to say, Endo did not look great in this game, and this was North Texas two, TFC zero. Um, it began with a pretty frenetic first couple of minutes though i mean mm-hmm. both teams had two or three chances in the first like five or seven minutes of the game and uh, it was really really end to end there were uh, both teams had seven shots in the first half uh perusa had a few good looks you know as everyone who's listened to this podcast knows i'm, I'm a big fan of jordan perusa uh especially late in the first half and uh damis had a shot also saved um, on the right side, but, uh, you know, the first half ended nil nil. You thought maybe, Hey, this is, you know, two, two teams that, you know, maybe have found their form, but then, you know, North Texas said, no, we're North Texas. We're at home and, uh, we're not going to go down again or, or drop points, uh, in our house again. And North Texas attacked down both sides, right? Did you know yeah. so what I noticed the, the one thing I noticed, Jason, I'll let you, you know, talk a little bit is the, North Texas in the second half moved the ball laterally much more than they did in the first half. In the first yeah. half, they kept on trying to go direct down one of the flanks or tried to go through the middle. In the second half, they did more probing from side to side and then w- went forward. Yeah. So, it, and because of that, they were they actually ended up out shooting TFC in the second half nine to three. Um, they had higher energy. You know, TFC maybe you know ran out of gas after travel and and playing really well in the first half. But, uh, you know, it was North Texas's to take, and I think maybe Coach Quill's little little tiny tactical adjustment really did the trick. Yep. You can see in the first half that a lot of North Texas players were trying to take on people one-on-one, right? You would have Montgomery and Brian Reynolds come up down the sides. Donzo, who I thought played really well in the first half, had amazing individual efforts. But like you said, they were going down the sides and crossing in. There was a couple of good saves from the Toronto keeper. Um, but, yeah, ultimately it wasn't quality shots that they got until the second half. 
But I'm going to go ahead and say this, you know, because obviously we talk about North Texas. We talk about how talented they are, and they are. Like, even when you go and watch that second goal from, um, I'm going to mess up his name, but Al McGuire, uh, that was just an incredible through ball down the side, which led to that second goal from Damas. But Toronto might have found a little weakness in North Texas. If you go and you watch that first half, Toronto could have scored a couple goals, and North Texas looked like they couldn't really handle that free kicks and the crosses very well. They weren't man-marking very well. They were kind of all over defensively, and Toronto just wasn't able to head in the goal. But there was about three good chances to where, whether it was on a dead ball and a free kick to where they crossed it in, or it was from across, you know, early crosses, right? As soon as you get 10 yards past midfield, that caught North Texas off guard, and Toronto could have been up 1 or 2-0 going into the uh, into halftime. Yeah, and that's unusual for North Texas because earlier in the year, you know, Breck Evans, one of their center backs, had everything very organized in in the back. And I don't know if that's because of rotation. They do have a couple of players who have rotated uh, rotated in uh, to the lineup on occasion. But it was, uh, but but I agree. I mean, they're and I think Lansing took advantage of that as well yeah. against North Texas too. It's like just the organization of the back line hasn't been what it was earlier in the year. Um, I, I would say something else, too. So there were two goals in this game. The 73rd minute, Arturo Rodriguez won a PK. Uh, Bunk Anderson stuck out his leg and didn't connect at all with the ball. You know, and, and that was, you know, that was a PK. There was no doubt about it. Uh, Rodriguez scored. Klonowski was going the wrong way. Um, 83rd minute, Ronaldo Damas, our golden boot leader, uh, scores again from Brian Reynolds. But like you said, like th- that was all started with a pass down the wing to Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds an M- on an MLS contract and obviously loaned down to North Texas. Um, yeah, it was it was a good goal. I mean, Ronaldo Damas now on 11 goals in the season, golden boot leader. Didn't have a great game, actually, otherwise. But it yeah. doesn't matter. He still scored. He had only had seven passes, had four shots, but all of them were on target, which means, you know, you think about that kind of shooting accuracy. You know, you shoot four times, you hope to get one. Was offside three times, trying to get in behind. Only four duels, one out of 12. So yeah. not a great duel win percentage, but still the golden boot leader. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, as long as he can finish when they need it, that's what's important. Yeah. Uh, so... Anything else on this particular game? Yeah, I think Toronto also uh, lost the battle of the duels. If you look, I think Ramos Mingo was the only one who won, who had a, more wins in his duel columns than yes. losses. Yeah, you look at like Patrick Monk Anderson, he was five for twelve. You look at uh, and Griffin Dorsey, he was four, uh, he won four, lost four. Um, you look at Tariq Muhammad, who's probably their best defender, one of their most dynamic players. He only had three duels, and he lost two of them. Uh-huh. Um, and he got his and he got his eighth yellow card in this game, by yeah. the way. So he'll yeah. actually be suspended next week. We'll talk about that in a minute. Too. And, and, and granted, he was subbed in, so he didn't play as many minutes. But yeah, he he came in. Uh, he only had one clearance, one tackle. It was just it was just a rough game, I think, for Toronto, especially in that second half. I thought Franco Ramos Mingo played well. Um, I thought he was a shining star. He he got up the field, created two chances. Um, he had three clearances. He had three interceptions. Um, so he really did kind of take the aggression, go into those duels, and make things happen. Uh, won his two aerial duels. But, yeah, it was just not a good defensive effort from a team that I think is a really good defensive team. 
Okay, so moving on to our standings for after week 23, North Texas still remains at the top, still on 1.91 goals per game. Lansing still at 1.63, so they actually are um, about a win away from Greenville, who's on 1.55 points a game, uh, who are now more than a win away from Tucson, who's in fourth place. But Tucson, Madison, Tormenta, Chattanooga, and they are all four of those teams are basically in a virtual tie. Are you not entertained? <laughs> exactly. They, yeah, this is a virtual tie. You know, people don't like the playoffs, but you know, let's face it. You know, we'd be talking about a runaway leader in North Texas if we were at a single table. But now, you know, that line matters. Four teams there. Okay, I'm I'm going to say this, and I don't want to get anyone's hopes up. Let's and, do it. Let's right. do it. I was getting spicy. Eighth place is Richmond. Mm-hmm. Eighth place is Richmond. They can make the playoffs. Here's how they do it, and a realistic way to make the playoffs. They don't even have to win all the rest of their games. They can lose away at North Texas and make the playoffs. I'm listening. So they have they have the most games, right? They have two more games than anyone else in front of them, except for Tucson, who I think they only have one more. They only have one game in hand over Tucson. So here's what they have to do. They have to win their four remaining home games. They have to beat Tucson, and they can still lose at North Texas. And uh, they and a, a draw at Chattanooga would get them in the playoffs at this point, assuming that they, you know, because they have to play all, almost all the teams that are in front of them. So because of that, there's the, the distinct possibility they can make the playoffs. Will they? Probably not, because, you know, if they draw one of the games that they have to win, it doesn't happen. But there is a path to the playoffs right now for Richmond. So, you know, just, you know, have a little hope and, you know, cheer on your team down there in uh, in, in Richmond country. I cannot slander Richmond. Uh, I'm on uh, detention and suspension for the next two weeks. So I will keep my thoughts to myself about that. <laughs> so there you go. But uh, it and there is a very hard road for TFC2 to make the playoffs. They would have to win out and get a lot more help than Richmond. Yeah, that, um, that, so that, that Canadian ship has sunk in. Yeah, and uh, OCB we already know is out. So player of the week was, of course, Joey G. Right for two goals, a brace, including Sorry. the wonder, the wonder goal. Right, he was did the messy ass kind of thing. Uh, the kickers, uh, also his kickers teammates, Dennis Chin and Matt Bolduck, uh, obviously for an assist and another brace. There, uh, Texas had four players. Remember, we only had three matches this this uh, this week, so of course the there was a lot of players on on a couple of these teams. So um, Ricardo Pepe, did he deserve to be on team of the week? I don't that, think he I had think, a particularly but, good game. Uh, they're, yeah, because they're accounting for those two penalty kicks against uh, Tormenta. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, you're right. I, I he didn't play great in those games. I mean, he he which, those were nice penalties, but he didn't. Yeah. He, he didn't. I don't think he earned either of them. He missed the sitter in in that game. I would not have been mad for to see Jordan Jones up there instead of him. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Jones had a really good game in their win this week. Uh, Arturo Rodriguez, uh, Brian Reynolds, and uh, also their North Texas goalkeeper Mauer. Greenville's Aaron Walker and Tyler Pollock. Sure, I mean they both had really good games. And it's, it's, so, so did did Ross tell you that's how you pronounce it? And I've just been pronouncing it wrong all season. Tyler. Yeah. I, no, I, Pollock. Yeah, I asked uh, Tyler actually himself. Wow. So, I know. So I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, Tyler. Yeah, I, that, me too. That, that I, A I, is throwing me off. <laughs> I even said it wrong. He told me before my interview with him, and I even pronounced it wrong during the interview. So <laughs> I've been I've been making sure to spell it phonetically in our show notes. Thank you. Since. Thank you for that. <laughs> so uh, FC Tucson's uh, Virgin and also Batista. 
Um, they both had good games for, for Tucson, obviously, but I agree with you. I think Jordan Jones probably deserved a, a shout there. Um, or, or Devin Jamga for that great overball that could have been an assist had Jones been able to, uh, um, to put it on frame. So who would be on your bench? Uh, you mentioned Hurst before, maybe, or Mingo? I'm going to no, give you I'm... a name. Uh, Josh Hughes. I thought Josh Hughes was great for Richmond. Five interceptions, two down the side, which is important because that's Tormenta's bread and butter when they get down the sides and try to get uh, counter going. Two tackles, two clearances, and he was out there creating chances and got an assist. So I thought Josh Hughes came up pretty huge for Richmond in that game. Yeah, so I'm going to go with a couple of guys from losing teams. I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say uh, Mikey Rowe. I, I think you know, obviously that free kick really deserved a, a little bit of a shout out. Um, although it'll probably win uh, goal of the week, the way that the the voting was a couple of minutes ago when I looked. Um, also, I mean, Mangles, even though they lost, and I thought Mangles still had a good game. I mean, he had a lot of work to do, and he did Mangles things right. Um, so. Okay, uh, let's talk about week 24. All these times will be Eastern. There's uh, three games on Friday. There's a 4 p.m. game because, of course, we're up in Canada. Prime time, baby. (laughs) uh, And TFC2 will host Chattanooga Red Wolves. Tariq Muhammad is suspended for getting his eighth yellow card in their game this past week against North Texas. Uh, later that night at 7.30, Orlando City B hosts North Texas down in Florida. Uh, and at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, FC Tucson takes on Lansing Ignite. An important game for Lansing because they only have four games left. So a draw here would do Lansing wonders, especially trying to hold off uh, both Greenville and Tucson. And probably Tucson's biggest game so far this season, you know, going against the hottest team right now at home, needing to get, you know, get those points at home. So yeah, I think both teams will be going at it. Uh, it's going to be a lot of speed. I'll be curious to see how Coach Miller uh, comes out with Lansing and if they want to possess or they're going to try to give the ball to Tucson and then press press them and try to win it that way. Well, I think that's you know that's what Lansing I think probably wants to do, but Tucson likes to play on the counter. So yeah. it, it, so, if they keep a couple of players high and Devin Jamga can get in behind, here, who the you heck take knows? It. No, you take it. Nah, you go ahead and take it. Yeah. So this could either be an incredibly boring game or an incredibly entertaining game. It's going to be really interesting to see which way that one turns out. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to watch it until after I finish coaching uh, my rec team on Saturday. But I'll, I will definitely do that because Saturday night is the Bon. We talked about this last week, and I don't know how to pronounce this. It's uh, it's probably French, and I just don't know it. But it's the Bon Secor Cup. It's the uh, the health provider for the Greenville Triumph and also Richmond Kickers. Uh, this is their their rubber match, and uh, Greenville will not have Paul uh, Chloe's because he's suspended on yellow card accumulation. Um, obviously, it probably means a little bit more for Greenville, but you know, like I said, if Richmond holds serve at home, they have a shot at making the playoffs, and this is one of the teams ahead of them that they have to beat in order to get there. Yep, and I think Chattanooga and Greenville equally have to to win these games i don't think draws cut it for them i think no i i don't either everyone's too close yeah yep yeah and then another game that's massively important for the playoff standings both teams on the same number of points per game forward madison south georgia tormenta south georgia going up to madison it'll be hopping at madison there'll be two by fours everywhere thanks to the hacksaw being there um i got a spicy take for you south georgia wins three nil I don't know about all that, but <laughs> <laughs> what's your spicy take? 
I do think that this is going to be a draw and both teams don't make the playoffs. Ooh. You heard it here first. Hashtag spicy. Listen, listen I mean, I mean, Hacksaw might might come with a two by four knockout Antley and uh, Dennis Chin and who knows what's going to happen. But uh, yeah, I think one of these teams have to win. If they if neither of them win, neither of them get in the playoffs. So for Madison, you know, with home, hopefully they get behind that crowd and, you know, have an entertaining game. But I, I don't know. I just for something just bubbling inside of me that says draw. So a draw would be ideal for both Tucson and Richmond. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so particularly if uh if or Richmond Greenville, would, yeah. But yeah. Or or Greenville, yeah, yeah. So yeah. well basically whoever wins the the game earlier that night. Um, right. So, so the Rich, Richmond Greenville is at 7 p.m. and Forward Madison South Georgia is at 8 p.m. all times, as I mentioned, Eastern. Some fan questions, Jason. Yes. So first, let's start with uh, we have a we have a I, I don't want to say it's a plethora, but it's certainly more than uh, more than we've had in the recent listen, past. Listen, we're we're getting popular. Okay, we can't listen. More questions, the better. Thank you all for for listening and and taking time to watch me put my foot in my mouth uh, week after week. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's unfortunate we don't have a YouTube uh, stream anymore. Thanks to uh, th- thanks to YouTube for taking that away, because you'd wind up seeing the the lovely kimono that uh, that Jason's wearing for his birthday party. Yes, and and oh yeah, and the disco ball. What is that? What's in there? A margarita? I don't even know. What's uh, yeah, whiskey. But you know, <laughs> there you go. Okay, I'll, I'll make sure to take a picture and post it on Twitter. Uh, only only the finest for. <laughs> So our friend at Capital Combustion, Weston Shelton, who got all kinds of crap from his uh, fr- from his co-host. On, br- this on brand. On yeah, brand. totally on brand. So anyway, Weston, you can always come here, and Jason and I will talk stats with you as much as you want. Oh, I'm, I'm going to give you some, some too, though. Don't worry about that. You're not, <laughs> you're not out the clear. Ira's going to be nice to you. I'm going to go ahead and uh, beat some stats to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, so Weston thinks that next year there'll probably be 16 teams in League One. If that's the case, then how do you think the playoff format will be set up for next year? Um, I guess 16 teams is kind of kind of like on the border of whether or not you have two conferences, like a North yeah. and South or an East and a West, right? Or and I wonder if you get more teams because of that, right? Is it worth having 16 teams if four more teams and have, it can do 10 and 10 for each conference? Well, if you can get them, I mean, presumably, like we know, we know Omaha is going to be in. It sounds very much like we're going to have the New England two team in, and then yeah. presumably you'll get at least a couple of other two teams come down. Maybe one or two other teams um, uh, that are either expansion or maybe some teams dropped, independent teams dropped down from the championship. But but if you do have sixteen, I, I don't know. Would, would do you think that they would expand the playoff format, or maybe two conferences, each with the top two going into a playoff, a semifinal, and final, like a conference final, and then a and then a USL League One Cup, or? Well, so yeah, because that's what championship does, right? Okay, so it is, but they have I a lot would, more. Te- but they have a lot. But more I would just say they probably like would use that based off of hey, this is proven. This is what we've done. So. We might be able to do this again, and this is what we know, as opposed to trying to experiment with doing an expanded playoff between both conferences. Well, the the nice thing about having a single table is uh, they could do a single table, and then everyone plays a home and away, and that would be thirty mm, matches. That's and a then, good point. And then maybe maybe just the top two go into a final, or or the top four go semifinal. I, I would say it has to be a top four. I think I think yeah. fan bases would be really upset if it was only the top two that get in. 
yeah, fair enough. So, so may, maybe it seems like next year, if there is only 16 teams, that, that maybe that's the best way to go because you have 30, yeah. 30 games home and away. It's a balanced schedule. No one can complain about unbalanced schedule and having to play North Texas four times and stuff like that. Because <laughs> look, at, look at Weston again, just pulling out, pulling out projected <laughs> stats. Love it, Mr. Shelton. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, I, I think I'm going to skip this next one. Uh, Sven uh, Kelman, thanks for the question. But I, I think the answer is we either don't know yet um, or if any games are going to be canceled, it's going to be Richmond because of the hurricane. Uh, what is this? Medium of mediocrity. Yes. So he or she asked, what happened to Tormenta? Are there internal team issues? Um, so, you know, me putting on my sleuth hat in my uh trench coat did some did some work i don't think there's any team issues i think it's just really unfortunate rotation i think it's just injuries i i think right now it's just they're they're not in the groove that they were and it's hard for them to get there a couple of their two team players that they called up have kind of hit a ceiling and aren't really fitting in the way that they probably thought they would so i think right now it's just bad timing for them and Unfortunately, they need time to figure it out in a time they don't have to figure it out. I think also other teams' chemistry has gotten better. I think Tormenta really benefited earlier in the year because they had a significant amount of chemistry because 11 or 12 of the players had played together and like six of their starters had all played together for multiple years, not only just one year, but multiple years under the same coach in the same system. As other teams got their uh, got under their belt, particularly the the independent teams, they've been able to, I think, take advantage of their own chemistry getting better, and they figured out Tormenta's style, and they were able to to, to play that. And obviously, the last couple of games, Lucas Coutinho not being around has really hurt their attack quite a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, so I love this name. I don't know if this person is like a Weston Shelton fan of uh, all of the stats, but Alphalete <laughs> Athletics. Mm-hmm. And he asked, what happened to Richmond and why haven't they dominated the league coming down from USL Championship? And I just have a quick response to that. And it's because this is a brand new team, right? Coach Below came down. It's not like he brought a whole team with them. I think he brought three players from the uh, championship side or five. Five. Yeah, okay. five. Yep. And, and so that's what it is, right? He wanted to play his system, wanted to implement his style, wanted to get the players he did. So I don't look at it as them coming down from USL Championship. I look at them being a new team as far as anyone else and probably having a less advantage of teams like Tormenta who did get to come up and bring most of their teams with them. So that's what I think happened to Richmond. Yeah, I agree. And I think, too, that uh, you know Coach Bulo was, was hoping to play one style of – possession and it wound up possessing almost too much in a very physical league so i think that that hurt them particularly in that may june stretch obviously and but you know since then they've been on a run i mean if you take out the the kind of june out of the whole equation and they would be really in playoff contention it's just that they had they had a really bad run of form for about five games and that's that's really hurt them quite a lot yes um so anonymous asks who is the mvp breakout star of League One, wow, there's mm. so many, so many choices. There, I mean, there are. I mean, you, you know, let's let's. How about this? Let's let's wait for this until and that's his follow up. Let's wait until the end of the season, and maybe Ira, you and I, we'll try to get some other people to come on. We'll all come on and give some awards and who we think are the breakout stars in the MVP. Let's let, let's see how these 
playoffs finish because if somebody steps up and you know carries their team for the next four games i think that makes a huge impact on the standings yeah i i do the one thing i would say like of people who we didn't know like some of the guys who came down from the championship and people like don smart like we knew that they were going to be decent like you know devin jamga played up in the up in the pacific northwest right so for for a championship team so like we knew some of them would be I, i i would just say like a guy like connor antley i mean he came out of nowhere Right. Yeah. So, I mean, he he absolutely came out of nowhere. Now, I mean, is he, should be the team MVP? Um, I don't know. But, uh, you know, breakout star. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nick, Nick Moon came in from a closed door trial, like and end up being one of the, yeah. the most dynamic players in this league. So there's a bunch of them, which is why I think it'd be fun yeah. for us to do. Yeah, a whole maybe, show. Yeah. I mean, maybe we pick our own like kind of breakout star MVP for each team, maybe is, is yeah. what we should do. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, do you want to read this one? OG yeah. Trap God. I, I might. Can we? Is that original that? gangster or is that a, is that my own generation? Uh, oh I don't boy. know. <laughs> I cannot. I I might want to edit this episode just so I can have you say OG Trap God in the intro, in the middle, <laughs> and the outro. I'm gonna I'm gonna love all that. Yeah. So OG Trap God, original gangster Trap God. Recently bought season tickets to Omaha. Don't know how many OGs are out in Omaha, but thank you for letting me know they're out there. Uh, what are good resources for a team besides Wikipedia? So I thought this would be a good question to ask the listeners. So if you are involved, I see articles on Reddit all the time. So make sure you go to Reddit and join the USL League One subreddit, which is just r-usl1. Um, and that's a good way to get information. I see links on there. Uh, they actually run their Twitter account extremely well. So I would definitely follow them on Twitter. They are very involved, not just with what's going on in their club, but also around soccer in general. Um, Ira, I don't know if you have anything, but those are the things that stick out for me. Well, you could, you could go back a couple of shows in our feed because we did an interview with their Get that president. plug in there. Get that yeah, plug exactly. in there. So, so look look in the League One Fun podcast feed on your favorite podcatcher and, uh, and and listen to that. And and yeah, follow the team. I agree exactly what, what Jason said. And I think as more comes out, you'll have, you know, Coach Mims will maybe start signing players right after the season ends. It's hard to do things now. We know that they're setting some things up, right? We know that they're thinking about how to change the baseball stadium they'll be playing in. They want to get a retractable mound, right, for for the pitcher's mound so they can get rid of that, so they can have a slightly wider field than some other teams have that play in baseball stadiums. So I think all of these things will uh, um, uh, just, you know, follow them wherever you can, basically. Yeah. All right. The quick follow-up from him is – Will there be any more teams announced before the 2020 season starting? Uh, I've been hiding in Ryan Madden's uh, trash can, uh, and he hasn't dropped any dirt for me to tell you guys, but I do predict that we'll probably hear at least one more team get announced. Yeah, so not only one more team, but basically they've hinted that there will be a couple of uh, a couple of teams coming down from the championship as well, and I suspect that they'll they'll do that basically all, almost in bulk at, right after the the season's end because you don't want to do this while they're you know you don't want to tell someone from a championship team that they're coming that they're coming down. Maybe they'll lose fans, like I don't know, but but that's just not a good look while the the season's playing, particularly existing teams, right? I think yeah. new teams can be announced anytime, right? Expansion teams can be announced anytime, but but there'll be teams coming down for sure. Yep. So someone who plays Mario Maker uh, asked this question. It's Yoshi Egg Twenty Five asked, "How will international call-ups affect different teams?" So, for example, North Texas has a bunch. So, 
Obviously, this week we have a regular FIFA window, a few players going on, you know, like guys like Dallas J going on and playing with their national teams. The U23 uh, has a camp. Uh, the U17s will have a camp. I think some of the uh, my personal take is that it obviously is going to be a challenge for a few teams, but I think teams like North Texas, they're going to have a deep enough bench and they have a style that it's not going to affect them. I mean, at worst, they wind up coming in second in the playoffs, but I think that that's probably not even the case. Jason, do you have any? Yeah, to add? I, I think I think the only team I'd be concerned about is Greenville with the keeper situation, right? Dallas Jays played every game this year, and so for a keeper to come in who hasn't played any minutes and play in you know a game to where they need points to to get these playoff spots, that'll be important. I would keep an eye out on North Texas, though. It's going to be curious when the playoffs start because they have been rotating all season because they do have a deep bench. How do they what what do they roll out as their starting lineup? Right. Do you have Thomas and Pepe together? Do you do the two striker up top? Uh, You know, what do you do with, um, you know, the players who have stood out when when they did come into play? I'm going to be curious to see what kind of lineup they put out in those uh, first round of that playoff. Well, and one of the things is the U-17 World Cup is uh, coming up. That's 26th October to 17th November 2019 down in Brazil. So it's not going to affect these teams because our season ends before then, right? So the finals will be, I think, October 21st is the last potential date of the finals, although it's more likely, to, I would guess, to be on that weekend. I think, it's, like, I think it's the week before, yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, the, if North Texas were to make it to the finals, then it, they should be okay. Uh, the U-20 cycle is over, so I would imagine that anyone in the playoffs, even if there was like a, a U-20 camp that that came up during the international window in October, um, they would wait until after afterward to send the players, right? You're not going to yeah. send a player in the middle of a playoff fight, um, especially for, for friendlies. If it was a, you know, if it was a World Cup, it'd be a different story, but obviously that's uh, outside the window. Yeah. Okay, last question. Another one from Weston Shelton. He Calm also, down, Weston. He also, he also asked, what do you guys think are the odds that the USL championship teams buying some of the most promising League One talent next year? Obviously, this only applies to players with a second-year option. Uh, so what Weston means is that there are some players that will have one-year contracts and will be released after this year. There's others who have a, either a two-year contract or a one-year contract with a one-year uh, team option where the team can extend their contract. I hope that some are actually like mm-hmm. that. That would be something that I would hope. I mean, that's a a potential revenue source for some of these teams that they can invest in either their youth or in paying other players or or paying their existing staff a little bit more. But you know, I could see a guy like Connor Antley going to play for a championship team, and maybe you know, I, I don't know what his value would be, but um, we can. I'm sure we can check uh, transfer market, but. You know, even if they got a hundred thousand dollars or something, I mean, that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big, uh, you know, price tag to pay for a player who, you know, was playing college last year, right? Yeah, and a lot of these players, I think, are physically also ready for it too. They they showed their experience. They've shown that they can handle bigger guys. I, I, we brought it up before early in the season with you know North Texas, especially in the younger kids, could they handle the physicality of this league? And you see some of these. Uh, you know, young players come in and they dominate even despite the size differences or they use their side to their advantage. So, yeah, I hope that we see a good amount of players go up to USL championship and then that might, you know, get an MLS look or two. 
and obviously a lot of the players in uh, for the two teams are clearly going to going to get that uh, yes. are going to get looks. I mean, some have already, right? Guys like Ricardo Pepe, guys like Endo, they've already had uh, had playing time. And even in FC Tucson, we can't forget FC Tucson. They were two mm-hmm. team also. We have to keep that in mind. It's just not an MLS two team. They're a championship two team. I would love if LAFC called up Batista for the playoffs and they got to have they got to face the galaxy and i get to see batista versus the slots on i need to make this campaign happen i need to see this i will fly out to la to watch that one-on-one i need to see it that would be great jason anything else before we close out here no i'm gonna go ahead and uh finish this whiskey in my disco cup and enjoy my birthday i appreciate you dealing with me uh tried to keep it short and sweet i obviously put my foot in my mouth last week. So I'm not going to try to do it this week. Thank you guys for joining. (laughs) Jason, where can people connect with you? They can connect with me at home sweet soccer. I can be found at Ira Jersey and you can connect with the show at league one. That's league and the number one fun. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and check out BGN.FM for other great soccer podcasts and written content covering USL league one, USL championship, USL league two, NWSL major league soccer, and much more. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, US Soccer, and the just-kicked-off NCAA. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Until next time, hashtag support local soccer. I'm sorry, Joe. You didn't have to do me like that. That was unnecessary.